Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Investec Property Fund pre-close update. All participants are currently in listen-only mode. There will be an opportunity to ask questions later during the conference. If you should need assistance during the call, please signal an operator by pressing star zero. Please note that this call is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to Andrew Willow. Please go ahead, sir. Thanks very much, and uh, good afternoon, everyone, and thanks for taking the time after listening today, um, I think, as always, we'll try and get through as quickly as possible and leave some time at the end for Q&A. I think we released the trading update a little bit earlier this morning on SEND, so hopefully you've had an opportunity to also read through it and, and, uh, and kind of come up with anything that you need to ask us. Um, running through it quickly in terms of highlights, uh, looking to the year end, we, we think we'll be pretty much in line with where we were at the first half. So around 30 to 35% down year over year for the full year. H2 effectively in line with H1, and, and we'll get into some of the detail later on. Um, we have decided to declare a dividend, the interim dividend um, of 44.5 cents, which represents a 95% payout ratio. Um, and, and as we discussed in November, when we gave our interim results, we were just waiting to see how the lockdowns um, certainly at that time across Europe and I guess later on in December uh, in South Africa affected life. And, um, yeah, so we're pretty, pretty pleased to announce or declare that dividend today. Um, there's been some activity or further activity on the investment portfolio uh, following the announcement last week of the exit of the UK business and that we expect to take place before the end of this month and return circa 700 million rand. Uh, to SA and, and we'll look to recycle that more than likely uh, into the European platform. Um, if not, we'll, we'll look to de- further delever the business. And in terms of balance sheet, LTV now is sitting at, at around 39%, which, you know, we, a huge amount of work that has taken place over the last year to ensure that we delivered on the deleveraging strategy. And that, uh, I think, has put us in a really strong position going into, uh, going into April. And from an operational performance uh, we're looking at certainly cash flow and, and rental collection. We've seen a really strong tick up over the, the last uh, three or four months. South Africa and Europe both sitting in the 90s. If we look back over the 11 months to February uh, 28th, South Africa sitting at 94% cash collection and Europe sitting at 99%. So, uh, yeah, very, very pleased with that. And, and Daryl will, will get into some of certainly in the South African piece, which has been, was hardest hit during the year. A little bit more that came through in terms of concessions in H2, but but pretty minimal. I'm going to jump over the strategic focus because I think we have harped on this previously, but but certainly um, these four or five uh, these four or five items remain front of mind for us. Um, and if you look through each of them, you'll see how we've delivered on that, and we'll, we'll certainly give more colour to each of these when we get to our final results in May. And really, I think you'll see what has been and, and how this remains front of mind for us as a management team. In terms of group highlights, so just kind of unpacking FY21 a little bit more. Um, certainly, we all know COVID has impacted the South African business uh, far more severely than the European business, and, and that most of the pain was taken in H1, and we've seen a moderate recovery in the second half of the year. The UK fund continued to withhold dividends, and so we, we're not going to be seeing any income in the P&L for the full 12 months. Uh, we did have some increased funding costs associated with the delay in the European refinancing. I mean, that was meant to really take place 
in the first half of last year, but with all the lockdowns um, and uncertainty that was kicked back and, and closed out at the back end of October, and then obviously some higher costs linked to that, which are, are feeding through um, the numbers. And and the, the kind of marginal higher or recovery, certainly you'll see that in South Africa and H2, has been offset through the lower accretion that you're getting out of Europe, given that we have in the second half sold 10% of the platform uh, to to the wealth clients. And then also remember Belgium, we held 100% of those two assets, which were around 70 million euros. We held 100% and as part of the deal, we, we sold that into the European platform. So in, in H2, you're only getting the benefit effectively of 65% of those two assets. And then, as I mentioned earlier, I think balance sheet really isn't a good, good place and able to withstand any potential further shocks to the system. The deleveraging strategy yielded us around $5 billion of cash over the course of the last year. LTV, as mentioned earlier, will settle at around 39%. Short-term liquidity obligations are really well managed and positioned. Uh, we've got $1.5 billion of debt maturing over the next 12 months, uh, and that is covered by, by around $2 billion of uh, facilities or cash. And uh, from a ratings perspective, we continue to be very well rated. We've seen a recent upgrade to those ratings. Um, and offshore continues at around 45%. Offshore, our target is is still around that 40 to 45% mark, um, and that's after we've looked at the disposal of the UK. I'm going to hand over to Daryl, and he can take take you all through uh, the performance from an SA perspective. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, good morning. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, as Andrew mentioned, we had a, a really brutal time in South Africa. Um, we certainly took most of the pain during the first six months of uh, of the year, with an improvement over the second half, during, as well, as expected. Um, the like for like NPI decline was will be will land around 19% uh, relative to March 20. March 20 was a, a positive 0.9, so it's quite a swing. Um, but but I would say that we were certainly very much on it, very much aware of what was taking place, and, and, and we were trying to navigate a very difficult and fluid environment. The office portfolio will see a decline close to 17% year-on-year against a March uh, 2020, which was negative 2.6%, and that was really as a result of the rental concessions granted uh, and some big rental reversions, but we did increase whale in that portfolio. So we did some uh, interesting and good deals, I think, that would preserve uh, long-term value, but it came at a cost in terms of NPR. The industrial base uh, base NPR will decline close to 19% year-on-year against 2.1% positive last year. This was this was a, a kind of a surprise because it was really a, as a result of slowed uh, leasing activity and increased voids. Um, that, that market we do anticipate, um, you know, it, it should improve uh, because the, the vacancies there are held across four properties. Uh, four properties pretty much... Uh, cover 51% of our, our vacancy. The retail portfolio would have, uh, as one expected, had a, a massive decline of 23% year-on-year um, against last year, March 2020, was 4.2%. That's because most of the pain was taken in that sector. That's where the, you know, only non-essential, uh, only the essential traders, non-essential traders really didn't pay rent for a, a considerable time. But on the, on the positive of that, you know, where we gave rental concessions, we've, uh, our, our collections have been uh, absolutely stellar. So, you know, we didn't throw good money after bad. We really maintained that. And so the, the activity now 
really focuses on, I think, a much cleaner environment next year, albeit very tough. You know, we're not, we're not anticipating a, a, certainly a V-shaped recovery. The vacancy has deteriorated to approximately 8.9% when you review it over, on an income basis and on a GLA basis, 11.6%. Uh, the office vacancy will uh, be approximately 8.4%. Um, again, the, there's, there's been absolutely that, – that sector has been pretty much moribund. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a structural imbalance between the kind of oversupply, very little and li limited demand. Um, the industrial vacancy on an income basis is temporarily high, as I mentioned, because I think we the team really just lost uh, lost the opportunity of doing deals and, and activity at a time which, which would have really swung swung the result quite significantly. So um, industrial is a, a, a bit of a surprise. Office is absolutely no surprise, and our retail vacancy our retail vacancy by income is four percent. It's a very acceptable level, which really talks to the quality and the strength of that. Of, the, of that portfolio. Um, from an activity point of view, we have successfully renewed around 70%, which is 258-odd thousand square meters of space, which was expiring in FY21, 20, sorry, and uh, there's a further 93,000 square meters of early letting um, at a negative revision of 17%, but very low incentives, and it did, it did extend whale. Um, so that's a, I think that was a very good, a good result for that team. Um, the early letting has de-risked the future income profile, uh, particularly in the office sector. So we landed and we landed some two really big deals last year uh, with our tenants. One of around 10,700 squares, another of 6,500 squares. Where the whale was around 10.9 years and, and seven years respectively. So that's pretty good. Um, and there is activity around 42,000 squares of space in the portfolio at the moment, largely in the industrial area. You know, that, again, is driven by four properties. Uh, so if activity ticks up there, you will see a, a marked uh, improvement in the industrial vacancy. Uh, as far as the COVID-related concessions go, um, there were minimal rent-free concessions in, the, in H2 of 17.7 million rand, and that was primarily in the... In, in, in one asset where 12 of the 17 is in one particular asset and then the rest, 5 million rand spread across the rest of the retail assets, which is not, not that bad at all. So where there was uh, limited office activity, there was significant, a significant hit to the retail activity. Um, and we hope, you know, in a return to work environment, so that, that particular asset should have some improvement. But it, it all depends on the activity taking place in the office sector. Um, as a sectoral performance, just on a high level, um, the office is characterized by a massive oversupply in the, in the kind of two primary nodes of Sanson and Rosebank. That's concerning because there's, not, there's no real activity, and when there's no growth, there's probably very muted activity. And, and, so that will, and, and that sector will be hampered by lockdown and the return to work, you know, as, as no, one, no one's really um, sure of where that's going to land. Um, in, as far as industrial goes, we have got a solid tenant base. In fact, over lockdown, spent a significant amount of time on the road. Um, the assets are good. The assets are in a good position. But, you know, I think as activity comes, our view is that if there's activity, we've got a fighting chance of making it work. So that's, that's a very important thing for us. Our retail has been harder hit, as we mentioned, but our, our, our kind of semi-urban centers have shown extreme resilience. So the turnover figures, um, you know, the, well, the turnover figures actually up. Um, really as a result of the basket spend being significantly up. So the footfall's down, but basket you know, spend per head is up around 20% year on year.
Um, that brings me to the end of the essay, and I will hand over to Zaida, our uh, new CFO. Thanks, I'm going to Aaron. jump in. I'm going to jump yeah. in ahead of Zaida because I'm going to talk to Europe. Nice to know that you you really value my input, Daryl. So thank you. <laughs> um, we quickly run through Europe and, and investment activity, and then we will hand over to Zaida. Um, from a European perspective, I guess as, as expected, structural trends um, are remain very very strong. Um, certainly from a demand perspective, um, yeah, the guys are inundated with um, inquiries to lease, and we actually just don't have enough stock to to provide um, clients with opportunities or, or space, and, and supply remains very, very limited. I think we are seeing supply come on stream in some of the regions, particularly in Poland, um, and I think we need to be cautious around uh, around that market. But in the underlying, uh, we're expecting NPR to be up by around 3% on a like-to-like basis, again, driven by positive leasing, and we'll get into that detail shortly as well as the reduction in vacancy, and we're expecting earnings on a like-for-like basis. Uh, really, when we talk like-for-like, it's more on a, a capital structure, like-for-like basis, remembering that we, we, as part of the transaction, were able to put a significantly higher amount of leverage into the platform. And so on a like-for-like basis, we'd expect distributable earnings to be around 10% up year-over-year. Costs um, have also come down as we've looked to or been able to improve the service charge recovery across some of the um, the asset base. And then from a leasing perspective, which really has been a story over the last three years, um, a continued in- improvement in vacancy, um, and we've seen you know what, what's really left in the 55 5.8% are two or three assets, uh, one in Hanover, one in Carpiano in Italy, where we, we're doing some refurbishment works and getting those ready for new tenants, and we'll see an uptick both in earnings and, and in a, a reduction in vacancy when that uh, gets... Uh, sorted out. From a, a leasing perspective, 60% of opening vacancy has been let, and around 70% uh, has been dealt with this year, um, positive reversions of, of around 8%. So that's pretty much in line with where we've been seeing reversions over the course of the last two to three years, and it's really, really good, as I've mentioned, I think, before, to see our portfolio capturing the strong um, trends that are taking place across the European logistics markets. As I mentioned right up front, collections uh, very, very strong at 99%. That 1% is really down to two tenants that went into liquidation during uh, the lockdowns. We've got about 900,000 euros worth of bad debts relating to that. Concessions are pretty much all recovered. I mean, a very minimal amount, 720,000 of, of rental deferrals were provided. So I think an immaterial amount of rental relief. Um, and we do anticipate an uptick or significant uptick in the valuation of the portfolio on the back of the strong underlying leasing activity as well as some of the market uh, market movements. I think we look at investment activity, um, and this has been a, a core focus of ours over the last two years in terms of consolidating our investment portfolio, especially on the back of the, the European transaction last year that gave us a foothold into a majority position in Europe or, and offshore. So we've exited over the course of the last 18 months our minority positions in Ingenuity in Australia and now most recently in the UK fund. And, and I think we've, we have um, ensured a focus on South Africa and the Western European logistics markets. Um, uh, it just gives us 
scale and relevance in both those markets and I, I think simplifies the balance sheet. So the, if you just turn to South Africa, we've continued to recycle and trade out of, out of uh, some of the tail assets here or where we think we've reached maximum value out of an asset. And so over the course of the last year, we've sold around 800 million of, of assets um, at, pre- at a 0.7% premium to book and we've got a further seven assets awaiting transfer um, at the moment, and that will generate another 300 million of proceeds. So, uh, this has all led to us being able to fund our expansion offshore as well as our ability to maintain our leverage ratios, and, and we'd expect to see that leverage ratio coming down um, again as we continue to, to deliver against some of that recycling over the course of the next few weeks and months. Zada, it is now over to you, so uh, thanks. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Daryl. Uh, just one quick thing before I actually actually get into the balance sheet highlights. Just a, a thank you to to the IPF team, especially Andrew, Daryl, and Jenna for welcoming me and making my uh, introduction back into the property sector a whole lot easier. Um, and then, if I refer to our balance sheet highlights, you know, there's been a lot of momentum achieved over the last couple of months. We successfully completed our degearing side path and through uh, what Andrew already mentioned, the active capital recycling, the balance sheet has strengthened, which allows us to support the growth in the European logistics uh, platform. In terms of um, some of the refinancing that's taken place over the period, um, we've refinanced the debt that matured in December 2020 with 1.2 billion funding package that was split between four institutions we also introduced new lenders, which is quite reflective of how the lender market has appetite for, for IPF debt. Um, over the next 12 months, we have 1.5 billion of debt maturing. In November and December 2021, that's 1.1 billion that matures. We've already obtained credit approval for 500 million in terms of our early refinancing activities. We've also got adequate liquidity to cover our short-term maturities with about $2 billion of unutilized cash and facilities available. There's, um, there was $70 million that matures towards the, the back end of April 2021, which has also been fully credit approved. Um, between three banks, we've looked to refinance that for a, for a longer, over a longer-term basis. And then in terms of our interest cover and debt yields for both group and all investment entities, we are well within our covenant, covenant ratios. There's about 100% of our interest rate risk that's also been hedged um, over, the, over the term of our facilities. From a dividends and guidance perspective, as, as alluded to at the outset, uh, the board has resolved to declare interim dividend of 44.52 cents per share for the for the interim period and that's off the back of the strong refinancing activity that's taken place both locally and offshore as well as the recovery in our operating environment. It represents a 95% payout ratio of our earnings of 46.87 over that uh, interim period. From a guidance perspective, distributable earnings per share for the year end is expected to be 30 to 35% lower um, compared to the same period last year, mainly due to the reasons the guys uh, have already uh, explained. 
um, mainly the COVID-19 impact and concessions granted to tenants in, in H1. In, in terms of um, our SA performance, obviously that's had a marginal recovery. And then with the sale of our um, part of our Belgium and, and Pal portfolio investments, uh, there's been a slight, slight uh, decreation in, in overall performance. All right, Andrew, back to you. Yeah, thanks, Ida. So I think that really does wrap it up. Um, uh, we've covered covered all, I guess, the majority of the detail, and we'll obviously be giving a lot more when we get into final results in in the middle of May. But it's been an active last six months. A lot happening on the ground in both jurisdictions. I guess a little bit different, with Europe continuing to perform very very nicely and as expected. South Africa does feel like it's getting stronger, albeit slowly, and, and certainly leasing activity remains a challenge. Uh, but we remain, I guess, uh, mildly optimistic uh, about about that. We don't expect uh, overnight change, but we certainly are, are seeing an uptick in activity. And yeah, balance sheet really puts us in a strong position uh, as we move into FY22. So with that, I think Hand over, hand back to the operator, and we open it up to Q and A. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, at this stage, if you would like to ask a question, please press star and then one now. If you decide to withdraw the question, please press star and then two. Again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star and then one. The first question we have is from Monsieur Nene from SBG Securities. Hey guys, can you hear me? Yes. Cool. Just two questions on my side. I wanted to confirm, does the 39% LTV include the UK sale? And secondly, what is your SA REIT LTV? Zada, do you want to pick that up? I mean, on the, on the UK, I'm assuming when you refer to the SA REIT LTV, you are wanting to include mark to markets on uh, derivatives. Yes. So the latter we won't be able to give you because uh, it's not a number that we currently disclose, and we'll give that detail in in May. But Zada, do you want to just pick up on the first part? Sure. Thanks, Andrew. Yes, um, the the 39% does include um, proceeds from the from the UK sale. So it's uh, including the interim dividend will be closer to a 40% LTV, and then subsequent to the UK sale will will be back below 40% at around 39%. Okay. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, just a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press star and then one now. The next question we have is from Amanda DeVet from Plexus Wealth. Hi. Um, just regarding your disposal of your UK fund, um, it was a, a significant de uh, discount to your carrying value. And given that it was primarily convenience retail from the looks of things and industrial, I just want to, uh, yeah, what's your reasoning behind selling it at such, such a substantial discount? Yeah, so I think there's, there's two elements to it. One is um, if you just look at it on a broader portfolio basis, it, it was a business that for us was not getting to scale um, and 
certainly uh, yeah was was seeing some challenges. So um, the question was whether we'd continue to support it from a capital perspective, um, or whether we had better places to put capital. And our view was that opportunities in both Europe and maybe to a lesser extent right now in South Africa would would generate a much higher return for us, even even if we were to take a discount uh, relative to the carrying value in the UK. So if we looked forward and looked at the return that we thought even at that price we could get from the UK business relative to what we could generate in, say, Europe or South Africa, uh, we, we believe that over time we'll generate a higher return by effectively trading out of that now and recycling that capital. The second is, I mean, that business has been under pressure. There's been a significant amount of tenant failure across uh, a lot of the assets. Um, I, I'm not sure there's... I'm not sure it's right to say there's a significant amount of convenience retail. I think, yeah, we do have, or there is some, there is some, or there are some Sainsbury's and Tesco's supermarkets, um, and there's some kind of retail park assets in there, but they're, they're really being picked up to try and convert uh, over time into light industrial, but it comes with a significant amount of risk. And at the moment, the cash flow uh, is really under pressure with what's going on in the UK. But I think the broader the broader decision that we reached at a board level was yeah a better well a more efficient way or effective way to utilize our capital um, and moving out of a smaller portfolio that was um, not relevant or, or at scale and recycling that into Europe and South Africa that we think will will generate better longer term returns for shareholders. Okay, thanks. Um, and just another question. You mentioned that your collections are um, 94% in South Africa, 99% in Europe at the moment. Well, for the for the 11 months to Feb. As a, I assume that's on billings. Where are we looking at like in South Africa on uh, like for like on the previous year? I mean, you you I mean, Daryl, chip in. But I think where where you are now because that that number is effectively looking over the course of 11 months. Yeah. Um, but if you look at where we are say, for the last quarter, which I think is a much more relevant uh, snapshot of what life is like, um, mm. we're, we're pretty much trending uh, at pre-COVID levels. Yeah. So you're in, into your high 90s, which is where you've typically been. Um, our debtors are back under um, pre-COVID, or back at pre-COVID, pre-COVID levels. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we're pretty much tracking on a, a pre-COVID level of um, operating cash flow. Amanda, sorry, Daryl, it's here. So we are, the debtors has actually improved about 3 million rands since pre-COVID level, so that's good for us. And the collections are very much improved. That's great. Thanks. Thank you. The next question we have is a follow-up from Yashon Nene. Hey, guys. Uh, Just two questions again from me. Um, Can you please expand on the concerns around Poland um, with regards to the logistics and secondly what level of debt or LTV are you targeting or are comfortable with for your pan-European logistics platform? So I think the 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 comment around Poland is a very generalized one. Uh, I think things remain strong and we remain pretty bullish about it. It's just there there is more supply land supply and, and new development supply coming on stream in that market relative to the rest of Europe, right? Um, 
And so what you're seeing is you, you're seeing face rentals not really moving, okay, and and net, and your net effectives, I think, coming down because of the, the level of incentives that, that are being provided. So that for us is just a, is something to be cautious about. Um, it's not it's not specific to every single asset, and and indeed I think on some of ours we've seen um, net effect of rental growth. In other in other aspects, other parts or other assets in our Polish portfolio, we've seen net effect of rental declines, but that's been offset by uh, strong cap rate compression. So it's just it's a it's one for us to watch, right? And and just make sure that we understand the dynamics of that market. Um, in terms of leverage, I mean we've. You know, the way we've looked at leverage is very much the way we look at um, asset returns. It's, it's on a risk-adjusted basis. So, you know, currently our European platform is geared um, at or around kind of 60%. Uh, if I look at why we're comfortable with that level, which is pretty much where we, where we want it to remain, is, you know, one, your cost of debt in Europe is extremely cheap right now. And um, and the the delta between that and your asset yields even though asset yields have come in, uh, given where your debt is pricing, you know, the spread is, uh, I think, very close to historical highs, right? So, you know, you've got a huge amount of of uh, delta in your risk uh, element there, relative, we think, to, say, a country like South Africa, where, you know, we don't think, for example, even if we weren't in the REIT world, we don't think we would be gearing our assets at, at the same sort of level because your risk profile here is much higher than, than in, say, the logistics sector in Europe. And so on a risk, on a risk adjusted basis, um, and, and also, sorry, throw into, throw into the mix the asset class that you're invested in, in Europe, um, you know, which is probably must be top three globally. Right, we think it's an, an efficient use of the balance sheet to leverage the way that we have. Um, yeah, so when you kind of throw that all into the mix on a risk-adjusted basis, sixty percent certainly makes sense to us. Okay, understood. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Just a reminder: if you would like to ask a question, please press star and then one. The next question we have is from Nomto Ngumbele from Untombo Wealth. Hi guys, I just wanted to get a sense of the new leases in your office portfolio, you did mention two, and potentially any that you have in the retail portfolio. Can you give us a sense of the average lease period versus comparable periods? Um, I haven't looked. The, you know, the, the one we communicated was really 45,500 square meters of mass mart. And that was across six builders' warehouses and three game uh, three game stores in our portfolio. So there we extended to uh, ten years, and they had very varying degrees of um, uh, of termination. So some you know some were short dated, some had a bit more whale in them, um, and that was just a reset across the portfolio. I would say this: what's important is that every every game asset or every mass mart asset. Um, was renewed in our portfolios, which also I think speaks to the quality of where they were positioned. Um, as far as the two office leases go, um, the one had expired, um, and that's given us a sense. The Investec Durban was on, had expired, and we've got seven years there. And the other one was a, a law firm in Stanton, where they had about two, years, just short of two years to run. 
We've extended almost to 11 years on that one. And I think, Daryl, if you were to speak generally, you'll you'll likely see on the back of a lot of that what we would term early letting, like a mass mart, the the, the law firms invested buildings. You'll see our our overall whale lengthen. Yeah. So you've taken a bit of you've taken a bit of short term NOI pain. We were holding those assets at exactly the same value as they are now, kind of after the re-gearing. So, for example, an Investec Durban building was being held off of an expiry rental at a 14% yield on our balance sheet. Today, it's held at around an 8.5% valuation, but it's exactly the same absolute number. So we obviously have been tracking where that, those rentals were relative to market and, and where we thought it would basically come in on, on a re-gearing. So the strategy has yielded a longer whale. It's protected the balance sheet value, and you just have, you've taken a bit of short-term cash flow pain. I think, I mean, Daryl, across the rest, generally, if you kind of exclude the bigger leases, if you look at where retailers are, are signing up, um, office users, which is minimal, and, and industrial, which is, uh, I wouldn't say anemic, but certainly uh, much quieter, retail seems to be in line with historical lease length yeah. for the majority of, of your retailers. And industrial and office, those leases are definitely coming coming or getting shorter and shorter, right? And I think that's a sign of the uncertainty that we are trying to navigate at the moment. And so part of the strategy for us is around how we navigate that, how we work with our clients around flexibility, how we look at incentives, how we look at face face rental, um, and how we infuse that with uh, client experience and and client service. So, um, you know, we're kind of expecting more short-term pain in those two markets, i.e. office and, and industrial. Uh, I don't think you're going to see a significant kick-up in, you know, in the next few months, um, but retail continues to perform quite nicely for us. Cool, thank you. Thank you. So that was, that was our final question. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we remain open um, to any questions. If you guys feel like dropping us a line or giving us a shout, we're more than happy to to field the questions. And uh, if that's it, thanks very much for dialing in. hope you guys all have a good Friday afternoon and a good long weekend. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that then concludes today's conference. Thank you for joining us. You may now disconnect your lines. <laughs>